Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. 2023 was supposed to be a huge year for recycling in the United States. That's because advocates had hoped to build off the momentum of the past two years, which saw four states create programs to pass the cost of recycling onto producers. But that success hasn't materialized this year. Eleven states, nine of them deep blue, put forward bills that would have required manufacturers to fund recycling programs via fees on packaging. But all of them either stalled in state legislatures or got watered down. So today, Politico's Jordan Woolman on why recycling bills are hitting walls in state houses across the country and what it means for the nation's ability to curb its growing waste problem. It's Friday, June 16th. So environmentalists and recycling reform advocates were coming off of two pretty unprecedented years where four states, California being one of them, which is obviously a massive one, pass what's called EPR, or Extended Producer Responsibility, which are programs that are tasking the producers of packaging materials with footing some of the bill of recycling and performing waste disposal of their materials. So traditionally, we have municipalities, i.e. taxpayers, who are paying into recycling programs for their local jurisdiction. But this is, EPR is an attempt to put some of the responsibility, literally in EPR, R is for responsibility, on the producers to share some of the financial costs associated with their materials. And the hope is here that A, it provides relief for municipalities and taxpayers who are, in some cases, you know, burdened with fluctuating recycling costs determined by the market. But B, the hope is that Producers who produce or manufacture materials that are harder to recycle or impossible to recycle will end up paying more of the bill and then be incentivized to either cut their packaging production in total or rethink their production to make their materials more recyclable. But you're reporting that bills in 11 states this year either stalled or got watered down into feasibility studies. So what sort of challenges did those bills face? Yeah, so I started off with the last two years were really great. This sort of novel concept in the U.S., although it's not so novel overseas, was really taking shape. So naturally, sort of advocates were turning to 2023 to sort of get greedy a little bit. You know, how many states can we put on the board here to expand the scope of these EPR programs and put producers on the hook for more of the costs? But what happened is advocates were able to introduce bills in 11 states, nine of which are solidly blue. And it didn't materialize. None of the bills have passed when it comes to actually creating a program. There were two quote-unquote study bills that passed where Maryland and Illinois will continue to study the issue. But none of the 11 states were able to pass this program this year. And that's because of a, a couple of things. It's hard to sort of generalize when you have 11 different states with different dynamics. But you have different stakeholders and different stakeholders wielding different amounts of power in different states. So you have waste haulers are very powerful in Washington state, for example. In other states, environmental advocates are really powerful. And in others, it's the brands and the retailers that are very powerful or municipalities. What we have here is advocates sort of playing whack-a-mole with different states not being able to unify around a single strategy. And in some cases, sort of putting too much in the bill that causes it to sort of fall under its own weight. And in some cases, it's just powerful groups like waste haulers in Washington state 
working to kill the bill there. Why were advocates divided on their strategy to push these bills? Why wasn't there unity then? In Washington state, for example, obviously a very liberal state where advocates were very hopeful to pass an EPR for packaging program this year, you had lawmakers sort of go for a grand slam approach where they combined an EPR program with a container deposit law or bottle bill with a recycled content mandate into one mega bill. And it didn't work. Waste haulers fought back particularly hard against the bottle bill part of the bill, which then tanked the whole thing with it. I bring up Washington State because it's really illustrative of how advocates don't know how big to go. Some view EPR as a strictly funding mechanism where you are literally shifting the costs from municipalities onto producers. Other environmentalists argue, no, no, what's the point of that if we can't actually put into text mandated waste prevention targets like producers being required to, for example, cut their packaging by 25% by 2030, just for instance. That's just a random figure. But those are the kinds of add-ons that advocates are torn about whether they need to do. There's also a push now to sort of ban certain toxins that are involved in chemicals that make plastic. And so some people say, well, that's not EPR. We don't need to muddy the bill up with something like that that could sort of draw the ire of a group like the American Chemistry Council. But others will say, no, what's the point? of trying to reform our recycling and waste system if we're not trying to get toxins out of our waste stream. So you can sort of see here how in different states with different dynamics, advocates have not been able to settle on one clear strategy here to get these bills over the finish line, despite two years of momentum. Interesting. And then big picture. So how does what we've seen in these 11 states in the past year raise questions about the U.S.'s ability to curb its growing waste problem despite growing attention in state legislatures and in Congress? It's fascinating because it really speaks to the push and pull tensions that Democrats in particular are facing here. Democrats in many states have really worked hard at prioritizing this issue of recycling. I mean, there's there's a reason why people say that our recycling system is failing, but never recycled more than 10% of plastic in a single year in the United States. So something has to give here because if it's not being recycled, it's being landfilled or it's being littered into the environment. If the current system isn't working and if we recognize that, And then states aren't able to sort of try these big overhauls of the waste system, which is a tall task, to force producers to pay up for the materials that they produce, then, well, we're sort of left with the status quo. And the status quo is concerning. Not to let Republicans off the hook here, but Democrats have been the ones to sort of politically stick their necks out on this issue and to see those states, those lawmakers, where they hold trifectas especially, where they totally control the state government. And for them to not be able to get on the same page, it sort of begs the question, you know, if blue states, if blue lawmakers can't get this done in solidly democratic states, what can really get done in a divided Congress? Also, on Thursday, the Bureau of Land Management proposed updating its regulations governing winded solar development on public lands, potentially reducing project fees by as much as 80%. The proposal includes making certain public lands available to solar and wind energy development without first holding a competitive auction. The actions are part of the Biden administration's broader focus on renewable energy development on public lands, including permitting at least 25 gigawatts of onshore renewable energy by 2025, as directed by the Energy Act of 2020. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch, and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Norma Michael is the podcast producer. 
Alex Keeney and Annie Reese edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Tuesday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is striving to lead the way in the energy transition. They're working to deploy carbon capture and producing renewable fuels, developing multiple solutions today while forging new paths to the future. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash energy in progress.